0: But Exodus chapter 20, continuing on in our series of the year of the Bible. And today we're going to be specifically talking about the the Ten Commandments. You'll notice when you walked in today that you got part two of our booklet for every single part of this, this whole year. We have a booklet that is designed just for you to help you understand the next section that we're in. And today we start journeying... In Exodus, as we start getting through Exodus and and, and the law and all the different stuff, I really want to encourage you to take that resource and throughout the week just begin to go through it also want to encourage those of you that are joining us for the Read Scripture app to keep on reading your Bible and if you have fallen off you just pick right back up matter of fact this week is a great week to start it back up because we're in a whole brand new section so that's going to be very helpful to you it's a great tremendous resource to help you understand that and then also if you're in our Facebook community group Vanessa is posting articles and things all throughout the week now if you're not on Facebook number one that is completely okay but we also have a way of getting that to you as well so you got to do is text our church line and we can send you those same information. But it's very, very helpful in helping us understand what we're talking about. All right, so let's put it up on the screen. This is our big idea for the whole series. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Now we did this last week. We're going to do it this week and every other week If I could remember to do that. So we're going to say this together. I don't want you to be shy. Let's read this. One, two, three. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. You guys are sounding very good today. So let's get it right out. We're talking about the Ten Commandments today, everyone. Everyone say Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. God started to see some things and said, "Uh uh-oh, Well, I don't know if God said, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know if God has an uh uh-oh in his vocabulary. But God saw some things in his creation and in his people that said, you know what? I've got to begin to, to help these guys. Now, before I give you the content today of the Ten Commandments, I want to get something out there to help us understand a bigger picture of what these Ten Commandments actually do. Because they serve a purpose, okay? So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. They aren't the main points of today's message, but they are something that's going to help you understand the God behind the commandments. And everyone said amen to that. All right, so first thing is this. Each of the Ten Commandments is, number one, a, a revelation. It reveals something. Each one of them actually give us some insight into the character of God. For example... What kind of person would say, you shall not steal? What kind of person would say that? Well, only the one who is a generous person, who could be fully trusted, who would never rob, never defraud us, who would never lie or cheat, who would never hold out on us wrongly, who is not out for himself and is only overflowing with kindness and abundance. That would be God. That would be Jesus. So they could be the ones to say, look, I need to reveal this to you. For example, do not steal. Second, each of the Ten Commandments is a a confrontation. Now, I know how that word goes over with a lot of people. I learned a principle a long time ago. Confrontation brings manifestation. You confront somebody in the wrong way, they might let you know very quickly where they stand. It kind of brings that out. I have a feeling that when these Ten Commandments came down, it confronted some people. Each one of them, though, now give insight into our character. They confront us. What kind of people need to be told, do not steal? Well, it would be those who steal. So God wants to confront some things in our lives, so he gives us the Ten Commandments. So it brings some confrontation. Thirdly, each commandment gives us Instruction. So now it begins to instruct us. In other words, God now gives us a new path of walking and stepping away from an old path. See, you shall not steal. Just one of my examples here today. Is, man, he's saying do not steal a lot, man. What's, what, what's up with that? Do not steal. What does it do? It guides us into ways of generosity. It guides us in the way of fairness and honesty and moderation. So it instructs us. And then lastly, Each of the Ten Commandments, though, is promise. And I really, really love this one. They they give us a promise. See, God promises that he'll move each commandment from the pages of the Bible down into the deepest instincts of our personalities. If we decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go through it. So it's my prayer here today that as we talk about these Ten Commandments, that through these things, that God would reveal truth to us. That he would even confront our shortcomings. And trust us, friend, we all got them. We've got shortcomings. We've got things inside of us that are not good. But thank God we have a savior for that one. Everyone said, amen. I'm going to get you guys vocal today. Also, too, that God would bring correction and remind us of his promises towards us. Now, let's just do the math here for a moment. Because some of you are going, okay, Pastor Rich, you just spent about seven-ish minutes opening up on this message, and there's 10 commandments. And if there's 10 commandments, and let's just say you spend three to four minutes on each one, we still got about 40 minutes to go. And some of you are going, I can't do that. I'm not quite there. As I was praying this week, I said, man, Lord, I don't know if I could do each commandment and give it full justice by going through all 10 commandments in one setting, And then the Lord reminded me of a natural progression that's actually found in the Ten Commandments. You can write this down if you'd like. But think of this. The first four commandments that God gives us, which we'll talk about today, are directly tied to our relationship vertically to God. They show us how to have a relationship with Him. When you look at the remaining six commandments, they show us how to live horizontally to each other. It shows us, how we treat others. And I want to say this, the reflection of how we treat others really matters to God because that's God's, God's creation. So all 10 of them really matter. But the first four really God says, hey look, this is between you and I. These are some things that I need you to know. And then the remaining six, he goes, these are some things that I want you to begin to think about. Okay, so let's jump into this. 400 years, everyone say 400 years. 400 years, we had some stuff going on. They were around the, the people of Egypt, the people of God, that is. As you were with us last week, we talked about the Exodus going into the wilderness. But how many guys know, 400 years of slavery, 400 years of being around the people of Egypt, people, God's people probably picked up on some things, just like we would. See, the people of God, they were probably eating like the people of Egypt. They were dressing like the people of Egypt. They were talking like the people of Egypt, and the the worst part is that they were worshiping God, or so they thought, like the people of Egypt. I, I don't have time to go into it today, but when I say they were worshiping like the people of Egypt, it was like worship you've never seen, or maybe even possibly understood. For lack of time and for little ones being in the room, it was a very perverse worship that deep down at its core was flat out disgusting. So when I say that they were worshiping other gods and, and other idols, it's, it's not like the, the worship that we do where we sing and we lift our hands, it's not like they got this thing and I mean, they might have to a degree and kind of just worshiped it. They were doing things around it that you gotta, you gotta know were very wrong. So, so God could not say just worship. God had to say worship God the one and only God because there was a huge separation to all of that and so what God does is he sees all this stuff going on he sees the Israelites acting like the people of Egypt and he speaks to a man and he gives us 10 commandments he gives us the law now as you're journeying through the read scripture wrap, you'll know that when you get to Exodus 20 and you read the 10 commandments and then you go beyond there we start reading about the law now if you've read this before you're there how many of you would agree there's some really weird stuff in the law? Show of hands. There's some things that they do that you're just going, I don't really understand how this really makes sense. This is kind of crazy, okay? But there's also something in there that you need to realize and understand that's really important. If you look at all of those, those laws that God had given them, in some way, shape, or form, they somehow tied back to one of the commandments, no matter how weird they sound or what they are, you can go back and look at them and then look at the Ten Commandments and see, oh, I could see how this law right here fits in with this commandment right here. So I want to say that because I don't want you just to get to that part and go, well, this is weird. I'm not reading it. You know, you can't treat the Bible like a magazine that caught your interest on the rack because of the pictures, but it had really boring writing, so you got rid of it. You can't do that to the Bible. You, you got to keep going through it. You got to keep reading it, okay? So they've got some, some things going on, and God ad- addresses it. Now let's deal with something else real quick. Some of you are like, get to commandment number one. I'll get there. I'll get there. Do you know anybody in your life that when they th- hear the word or think of the word 10 commandment, they just think of a God who has a bunch of rules? Have you ever said, man, this God is just a God of rules? See, I realize in talking about the Ten Commandments, depending on your age in this room and how long you've been in church, that this could be a heavy topic and a tricky topic for some people because of maybe, just maybe, the environment that they were raised in. Legalistic. Rule-driven to the part of being mean, though. You could talk to a person who doesn't go to church and they would say that, well, God's just a God of rules. Or... God is a God that has some boundaries for you, for your benefit. It's amazing. It's amazing. When you talk with people and if you have a relationship with them, they could say, Well, man, God's just a God of rules. And I would say, Do you have children? Yeah. Well, yes, I do. Okay, so let's put this into context. Do you tell your kids not to do A, B, and C? What's the answer? Yes. And you do it because you would say it's for their benefit. So here's, here, here's what gets me. Just focus on me. That's totally okay. Here's what gets me. If we get mad at God for God giving us rules, shouldn't we get mad at ourselves for giving our kids rules? It makes sense. But people don't. Because they have an improper understanding of the Ten Commandments. So here's the great part. We get to clear all of it up. Listen, the Ten Commandments is not a scream from God saying, do better. It's not what the Ten Commandments are. Rather, it's actually the heart of God trying to rescue you and build a relationship with you. That's what the Ten Commandments really are. All right, so 1 John 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this, I want to say by this, means we got to pay attention to the next line here. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith so what is the scripture saying very simply it's saying this and this is going to hit us it's going to hit you and it's going to hit me you can say I love God matter of fact let's say it say I love God you guys on the screen say I love God They <laughs> got an online experience going got to talk to them too. okay it's easy to say how do you prove it? Uh-oh, we don't like talking about that. No, 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 no. I can just love God. I can just say I love God. Respectfully, it's like junior high girls. They love everyone. <laughs> love you, teacher. Love you. I mean, listen, you, you love it all. It just becomes something you say. No, no, no. According to this, my love for God is based upon my ability to obey his commandments. End of story. Not perfect. Oh, thank God for that. Not perfect. But if you say, I love God, and someone said, how do you prove it? You would say, because I obey his commands to the best of my ability. That's it. That's all this scripture is saying. But it points out very quickly that we are to obey. Okay, so I'm going to give you point number one. Now, here's the deal. It's commandment number one and commandment number two placed together. Because they've got some similarity, okay? Number one is this. God first, no exceptions. No exceptions. God only, no exceptions. This is what God's saying in commandment number one. Exodus chapter 20, verse three. You shall have no other gods before me. God first. Verse four. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God. Oh, I love this. I'm a jealous God. What? God's jealous? Oh, yeah. Hey, you ever been jealous before? Can I ask you a question? How'd that make you feel? Is jealousy, like, tough or what? Now imagine this. You're a human, and he's God. You, what you feel doesn't even come close to what he feels. I want you to get this. That's how jealous God is for you in your heart. That's how badly He wants you. He's a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the fourth, I'm sorry, third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands. Watch here to those who love me and keep my commandments. Wow. So here's what we see. God's saying, Look, me first, no exceptions. God only, no exceptions. So here's the question What's an idol? Because then he talks about don't worship any idols. What does that mean to us today? Well, simply put, an idol is anything that dominates your life more than God, his word, and his ways. That's the idols of today. An idol could be a relationship that you place before God, it could be money could be stuff not for john anymore though because he's been at the flea market for the past 20 weeks and everything's gone and kate's really happy about that see there you go it could be your stuff how about this how about significance put my title on that door i want people to know who i am it could be an idol addictions anything that's before god it's an idol now watch here It could even be something that God has gifted you with. What? But instead of worshiping the giver of the gifts, it turns into worshiping the gift and it takes priority over God. Might be a little bit too heavy for this room, but it's true. Oh, God just gifted me. Thus saith the Lord. I am his prophet. You will, you see what I'm saying? I won't get too lost on this one or too deep on this one. But we've seen it. We've seen people gifted by God in an era, a gift that God gave them. And they let it go here. And it became an idol to them. Listen, friends. God is jealous of anything that takes the place of him. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 14. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. And then it says, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. I know I joked about it a little bit earlier, but how many of you guys know jealousy and possessive of a person is a major problem? You used to tell girls, if you're thinking about marrying this guy and he's very possessive, and he likes to possess your time, and will will let you have freedom, run as fast as you can. Now, ladies, you're not off the hook either. I've seen how possessive you can get. Tell that guy, run. You see what I'm saying? It's like me saying to Vanessa, Vanessa, there are billions upon billions of um, other women all across this planet. And I would like you to know, Vanessa, on Shepherd, pregnant with our third, I would like you to know, that I love you almost as much as the others. How many of you guys know it's not going to turn out too good? It got real bad real quick. You got some good advice in here. Some saying run away. I know I'm having a little bit of fun with this one, but it, that's what people do to God. Oh God, I love you just as much, but not that area. Not this, God. God, you can have this here. You're first you're first right here and here and here. But that box right there. No no, 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 that's mine. And sometimes we lie to ourselves. We say things like, well, no, 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 no. The reason this can't fully be it because I was, I was educated on what this actually means and then someone took this one little scripture. A matter of fact, it was out of context, right? But no, I heard this right here and that is actually something that God wants me to have. I, I, I should carry that. No, no friends. He has all of it. He wants all of you. So I'm asking you this question is God first in everything. You wrestle with that. Some of you, you might go right off the bat, uh uh-oh, got me. I didn't get you, Holy Spirit got you, God's word got you. And can I just say something to you? That should make you feel really good. because that means God is still working on you? And he hasn't given up on you. I tell people all the time, conviction is so good. It tells me that my heart hasn't gotten so hard that I can't even hear from God anymore. Some of you need to let the Holy Spirit cuz the Holy Spirit does it gently. You got to let that conviction set in and you got to deal with that thing and understand this is good. This is the gentle father, the gentle the, the gentle shepherd leading me and guiding me. And he's helping me out. All right, so God first, no exceptions. God only, no exceptions. Number two, commandment number three, but it's point number two, is you got to honor and revere God's name. Notice the words in, in, in verse 7, chapter 20 of Exodus that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, can you see the intensity of that when we get to this commandment? First one, no other gods. Second, no idols. Third, Now we're talking about respect, and we're talking about honor. Jump straight from that, straight to this. He's saying, please don't bring insignificance to my name. Make sure. I would say, make sure. Make sure you respect my name, and then this: make sure it keeps value. When it says to honor and revere, that word literally means value. God says value, my name. I was reading about Ronald Reagan, and uh, I read that anytime time Ronald Reagan would go into the Oval Office, if he wasn't in a suit, he would go, even if it was just to grab a pen that he forgot, or something small, even if he just had to run in and run out they would say that he would go on and he would put on his full suit and he would walk into the old office and he would grab what he needed and he would walk out because he had such an honor and reverence to the position. Now think about this. I use that as an illustration for the level of, of reverence and honor. When we talk about honoring God's name, revering his name, valuing his name. Man, it carries, it carries power, it carries weight. I can remember the first fight I ever had with my twin brother. First one was is he kicked me out of the womb. So I didn't really fight him, he fought me, no, no, no joke. Doctors said I came out with such force they didn't know there were twins. They had no idea, literally. Mama had one set of clothes, one crib, you name it, one. The day that we were born, there's two. Surprise. But I came up with such force that they later determined that he kicked me out. So from the womb. And I came out really small and he came out normal. He was stealing food. He was kicking me around. He's was meeting me my whole childhood. Man, goodness gracious. He beat me up. He beat me up. I don't know if he's watching right now, but he usually sends or online. I've forgiven you. Man, he got me all the time. But the one time. Oh, the one time that he made me so bad. That was the problem. I never fought him back because he never made me mad enough. And he was bigger. <laughs> that too. Don't forget that important fact. But the one time we fought. Well, kind of. Well, no, we did. Here's the story. I heard he disagrees. But I heard at the age of 15 years old, I was serving Jesus. I was an intern. I was drumming. And he was kind of in church too, but I heard him take God's name in vain. And by God, that doesn't happen in the household now, does it? No, no, no. Wasn't even my household. (laughs) I was just a kid. But I was like, oh, them fighting words right there. So I said, you said what? Said it again? I go, "You you don't say that. So I was like, hey, we're going to fight, which it's like, I don't think God would have approved of that one. You know, it's like, you're not going to fight, I'll deal with him. God's like, I'll deal with him, you just, you go. I'm like, no, 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 no one takes God's name in vain around me. No, we're going to go, let's go, let's fight. And what does he do? I ain't fighting you. Now, I'm finally riled up enough, my hands are shaking, my voice is trembling, I'm going through puberty all over again, because I'm, he don't want to fight me. Some of you are like, man, you got issues. I know, I'm still working through them. I've gotten a lot better, though, a lot better. So I remember I walked outside, and I was like, hey, we don't take God's name in vain. We're going to fight. He said, no, I'm going to fight you. So what did I do? You guys have heard me say this story before. I went inside the house. My brother had two guitars. One was an acoustic. The other one was an electric. Fender. Stratocaster, whatever it's called. He was taking music class at school. So I remember I walked out. Man, I, I won't, don't worry. I won't use this as an illustrated sermon. <laughs> Nate, Nate's in the back going, don't do that. So I remember I walked outside and I had both. I'm like, you're going to fight me. He goes, no, I'm not put my guitars down. I go, oh, you want me to put your guitars down? So I remember I took the electric one. I popped right there. I got up and ba-bam. Right in half. Right in half. It was like a dude perfect scene, man. The rage, what is he called? The rage monster, man. Some of y'all, you, you know dude perfect. You know what I'm talking about. Can I just tell you what happened? We fought then. Problem is, it's the same thing. I curled up on a ball and he beat me up. (laughs) Because I was like, man, you're not taking God's name and devaluing it. Not going to let you do it. Man, have you ever thought about how much power is in a name? Think of someone who has a good name and a good reputation. When, When their name gets said, you think, stand up person right there. Or you hear a name and you think, hopefully you don't say it out loud, but you're like, uh oh, that ain't that ain't good. But let me give you some examples. I'm just gonna say the names. I'm not even gonna go into it. I'm not even gonna tell you which ones I think are bad or good. But I'm gonna say some names and you you tell me what comes to your mind first. Corey Ten Boom. Some of you are like, What? Older generations got it. I'm with you. Lance Armstrong, Hitler, Rosa Parks, O.J. Simpson, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, Adeline Ray Shepard, it's our baby to come. Now what did I just do? I just walked you through the power of a name. And for some of us, because we know the stories of their lives, it brought either good, bad, or tension. It's the power of a name. So, listen, when we talk about the power of of God's name, so when I say the word God, what comes to your mind? Good or bad? Powerful or not? Full of mercy? Full of grace? Or no, he's a God of judgment. What comes to mind? It's the power of a name. What about the name of Jesus? You come to this church long enough, you know when the music kind of goes down just a little bit, we're kind of in that, that moment of switching to the songs, and you hear, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's my mother-in-law. You always know when mom's here. And I love that name. Man. What does that name mean to you? Goodness, goodness, we can learn so much from the devout Jewish people. You know when they are reading and they get to the name of God that they don't even say it out loud? Did you know that? You know what they do? If, they're, if they've got a group around, like today, and, and they're reading, and they get to the word God, they stop what they're doing. They walk and they go find a pen. And they come back to a piece of paper and they write the name of God on the paper and then they take that pen and they take it back and they place it somewhere and they never use it again. That's how much weight the word of God carries for them. And it should do the same for us. See, God... He's teaching them and he's teaching us, please respect my name, honor my name. Please don't take my name in vain. There should be something inside of you that goes off as a believer when God's name is taken in vain. Now, don't start a fight like I did, but it should do something to you. Shouldn't be surprised by sinners if they do it. They're sinners. But when a believer does, she carries some weight. Can I just say one more thing? See, because if you haven't been educated in this, we just think taking God's name as vain is saying, and in another word, behind it. I don't know why we don't put the devil's name first. Always got to put God's. Do you know another way we take God's name in vain? I want you to hear me carefully. Is when we say, thus saith the Lord to a person or to a group when the Lord has not spoken. When we say, well, I just want you to know, brother and sister, that God told me, and really God didn't tell you anything, you're just trying to win a conversation. And you're trying to win a person. When you use it to make yourself look good in front of a crowd, well God said this to me, and he didn't, what have you done? You've taken his name in vain, you've placed no value on it except value for yourself. What does this look like? I'll tell you very quickly, if you're married in the room, you better be careful when you use that with your spouse. Some of you know. Man, value his name, amen? Man, unless God has said it, don't put words in God's mouth. It won't get you far. All right, so we've got God first, no exceptions. God only, no exceptions. Second, third commandment, but we gotta honor and revere God's name. Now we get to our last point of the day. And that's simply rest and rhythm. Commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, for in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it. All right. It's commandment number four. So we're going to end today. Oh, man. This could be a tough one in our culture. American culture makes this one very, very difficult. You say, well, no, I've got that handled then we make it difficult. <laughs> Take a day off. You do no work. You've been around here long enough to know this is the top, one of the top dogs for me. This has been difficult for me, but man, I've found some freedom over it. I've found some good rhythm, which is why it's rest and rhythm. But man, God is, is very clear. Now guys, keep in mind, Who is Moses speaking to? Speaking to the Israelites, right? What did they do for 400 years? They were slaves. They worked. Remember last week, Pharaoh made them work relentlessly. The word was with rigor. Okay, do you have a habit in your life that you do because you did it for such a long time? So do you think these people would have struggled with taking a day off? Now some of them wouldn't because they were so like, oh my gosh, we don't have to do this anymore. But there were some other people where it could have been a major issue for them. So when God is speaking to these guys, take a day off, he's, he's trying to help them. He's trying to say, hey look, you work good. Six days, get it done. But man, then take a day off. Relax and and rest. Used to think, I used to think that it was a badge of honor to work 100 hours in a week. Some of us, we've been there. Man, I worked hard this week. 80 hours. Look at me. I've been guilty of this. Yeah, 80 hours. Look at you. You haven't connected with your spouse. Your kids want dad and you're so tired you're not praying you're not in god's word you're not connecting great badge of honor you got there respectfully how's that working for you at some point like i did it all came to a head laid in bed for two three weeks i'm not exaggerating when i say this I couldn't get myself off of the couch and I don't say this braggingly I love to work she couldn't even get me off the couch my adrenal glands were done I had no energy I couldn't stand up for more than a couple minutes at a time and the only thing that I could eat were those little orange cuties from the store it's the only thing that stayed down at the time we were living in visalia california and it's hot in visalia california no matter how long your ac runs in visalia california and it was miserable man i used to wear that thing like a badge of honor you know it's crazy look at mark 2 27 And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Wait a minute. You mean God gave me a gift of a day off? He did this for my benefit? Yes. God did it for yours. And I'm going to say something real quick. God calls those who don't work lazy. But he calls those who don't rest disobedient. So it's not your badge of honor no more. Young person, college student, listen to me very clear. You can go hard in this season. It still does not mean that you can't take a day off. Right now, your job is your school. You need to take a day off. I mean, this is great advice, and don't study. Put the books down. If that's, that's your life, that's your job. That's what you do, but when it comes to Sunday, which is probably the day that you do it, you need to connect with God. He's holy. And you need to spend some extended time in his word and in prayer. And then you just need to do something that brings you joy and refreshing and brings you life. I I tell you right now, guys, I I tell you, I I know without without a shadow of a doubt, in the younger generations, it's killing them. Not just in our county, in the world because this is the philosophy hustle make it happen at all costs if you are a chosen child of god a believer in jesus i want you to hear me very quickly you need to find your day and you need to take a day off so for me i, I listen i've got to i've got to put everything down that's just me friday at noon from noon till we do family movie night at five o'clock i'm getting my truck cleaned my laundry done anything Vanessa needs me to do at the house, I'm getting the things done just like they would prepare for their Sabbath the day before and get all the stuff done so that when the day of the Sabbath came, they rested, they connected with God, they connected with each other, it brought life to them. And then guess what? Monday, pick it back up, let's get to work. It sounds very simple, right? And listen to me, it can be. That's the light that I brought into I cannot do this. If, if, I don't, if I don't do this, then it doesn't get done. You want to know what that means in my world? Poor leader. If everything rises and falls on me, and I can't take a day off because if I do, everything falls apart, I am a poor leader. If you are a business owner of any way, shape, or form in this room or online, and you think by taking a day off that your business is going to collapse, it's probably doomed anyways. It just is. I'm telling you, there's no way around it. You've got to take a day off and connect. Some of you, this will change your life if you don't do it right now. It'll change your life, I promise you. Give God a day. He'll change it all. Amen.